Hello, and welcome to Letters from the Lunchroom, a podcast by Communities and Schools of MidAmerica. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge. Communities and Schools is a nationwide nonprofit which connects students and their families to local resources in order to remove barriers so that they will have greater success in school and in life. During this podcast, we talk to people who have a relationship with our organization. From students to staff members and alumni to volunteers, we know that people who connect with nonprofits have a story that led them there, and we want to know that story. In this episode, we sit down with Jen Filetti, Student Support Coordinator at Lakeside Elementary School in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Please join us as she shares her CIS story. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the lunchroom. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Uh, Good, other than the fact that it is absolutely freezing outside. But um, what are we to expect? It is the Midwest and it is January. So (laughs) no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, So if you would, please take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience. Um, I am Jen Folletti. I am the student support coordinator at Lakeside Elementary School in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And how long have you been there? Uh, This will be my sixth school year. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And have you been at that elementary school the entire time? I have. This is my my home place. And so did you start the CIS program there or was it started before you got there? Uh, So we started it. Originally when I was hired, I was hired on with a specific grant under the CFWB grant, which was um, based more on parent engagement. And uh, eventually it just evolved to being under the like TANF wing of CIS. But it was originally, um, there was only one elementary school that had CIS in Pittsburgh, and then the middle school and high school had it. And then when they brought the other three schools on, it was kind of like piloting this program. And then we were the first community that became fully saturated with CIS. And so it kind of just took off from there and is flooded into this beautiful thing of CIS being in Pittsburgh. Awesome. Okay. You said a couple of things that I want to just kind of uh, put some clarification on for audience members who may not know what they mean. So one is uh, you mentioned the term fully saturated, which may seem self-explanatory, but it means that every single school K through 12 there in Pittsburgh, Kansas has a CIS of Mid-America program, which means that students starting from their first day of school all the way until they graduate can have that assistance of a student support coordinator through the CIS program. Um, And then the other thing that you said was use the acronym CFWB. And I believe that stands for Children and Families Wellbeing? Correct. Oh, sweet. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. So that adds some clarification for there and shines just a little bit of light into the work that you're doing, but we are definitely going to dig into it more deeply. Um, Before we do that, I want to go back to the beginning. And you did talk about how you were part of the start of this program at this school in this community, but how did you even hear about communities and schools in the first place? Um, so when I was, I am what I like to consider a townie. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh 
And um, so I went through Pittsburgh school systems and um, the counselor who is actually at um, Pittsburgh Middle School um, was my school counselor and we just were really close. And as I was going through college and finishing up my degree, um, this job listing was posted and um, I actually applied for um, a job at PCMS, the middle school, mm-hmm. um, the year before I was hired, I wasn't hired on that year. Um, they went with a different choice, which was great. But then um, I got a job at a nearby city being a children's mental health case manager. So it kind of got my foot in the door anyway as a um, like new graduate. And then the following year, so in 2016, um, is when they introduced um, these new three new sites as well. And so um, I, my, the, my counselor friend from the middle school told me about it. And so I applied and I, here I am. <laughs> awesome. Um, so what did you go to school for? Um, I have a bachelor of science of education in psychology with a secondary degree in physical education. So I have an education background. It's quite the mouthful. Uh (laughs) Um, I went into school thinking that I wanted to go into um, school counseling. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that um, mental health and physical health went hand in hand. And so that's kind of why I went down the route of psychology with uh, physical education. So I kind of could tie those things together. Um, They're both very important to me. Mm -hmm. And so... Then, like I said, I got my um, first job just out of college as a mental health case manager. And then when I heard about this job, um, my degree kind of fit perfectly. And so I've not needed to pursue my school counseling degree or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I get to work really closely with my school counselor. And so it's been kind of a catch-22 there, I guess, in like (laughs) – I get to do what I thought I wanted to do just without having to go to school extra and do all the like hoops because I yeah. feel like we work so well together. And um, so, yeah. Excellent. So did you always know that you wanted to go into social services? Uh, kind of, sort of, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so I could have potentially used – Um, CIS services when I was growing up Mm -hmm. and my um, my counselor friend who's at the middle school was kind of my like my adult person Mm -hmm. who kind of showed me a path that I wanted to go down and so she was kind of my this is what I want to do because this is what she does and how she's helped me and knowing that there were other avenues that I could go down to help students um, has been super like beneficial and I love that I get to work so closely with a school counselor and getting to see the differences of what could come like between the two. Mm -hmm. Wow. So she was your, 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 your one caring adult, like the, the, the one, not not saying you only had one, but like the one, you know, that sort of made that change. Yeah, like my motivation of right. doing good in the world. Wow, that's amazing. What an inspiration. Do, does that person know that they had that kind of 
uh, impact on your life? Oh my gosh, she does. When I was in college, <laughs> uh, we had to, um, for one of my classes, had to like write a letter to um, the person or whatever, like your find your why. And um, so I wrote her a letter. And because, like I said, I'm a townie, I live in Pittsburgh still, um, I was able to like actually send it to her. And so um, that kind of like rekindled us on like a more professional level. And so she's just a huge support and she does. She knows that she's just been a godsend to me. So. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So let's come back to present day um, a little bit. So where you are now with your six years um, of, of experience working in that school, in that specific school with these elementary school kids, which is so cool because you have seen kids go from kindergarten all the way up into the middle school and then like, you know, pat, and that's such a big, to me as a parent, I have a child in high school now, that step they take from going from elementary school to middle school is so scary. <laughs> uh, girl, I thought that I was like, like a young parent or whatever. I have a three-year-old daughter myself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not there yet. Like, we're fine. But like you said, like I've seen some of my students go from kindergarten, first grade, whatever, and then like I'll go to a meeting at the middle school or at the high school and they'll come up and they'll see me and or they'll see me out and they'll be like, oh, hi, Mrs. Folletti. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, mm -hmm. how are you in middle school? Or how are you in high school? And right. it is, it is so awesome. And the fact that we are a fully saturated community, knowing that they still have the, that connection with CIS and their support coordinators, knowing that they like, I can still check on them. Hey, yeah. how's Sally doing? Hey, how's he doing? Mm -hmm. Hey, like, so that is super cool to me. So yeah. And you know, they're in good hands because exactly. they're, they're, they're not going to be, if, if they run into struggles, because we all do, they know that they have somebody that they can trust that has their back because you've already established that foundation with them. Yes, they do. It's so great. So whenever you look back on this time that you spent with communities and schools uh, thus far, do you mind sharing some of your like favorite experiences, maybe some of your favorite supports that you've had or just memories that really make your heart happy? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that sticks out to me, like is my first year coming into CIS and being, um, a new program in a new school, like for the first time, Nobody knew who I was. Like, I remember that there were days that I sat in my office and I just kind of like twiddled my thumbs and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like these kids don't know me. I don't know them. I don't know where to start. Like, how does this work? And then um, uh, my director at the time told us like, just go to a staff meeting, just mm -hmm. go to whatever meeting and just kind of show up and see what they like, what is said, how it happens, what it works. And then I, I connected with my school counselor and I said, Hey, if you ever need any help, if there's anything I can do or that CIS can do to support what you're already doing or that things like that. And for whatever reason, we just clicked. And so like from that point forward, we just kind of hit the ground running that our programs just kind of intertwined. And one of the big things that I feel like we always say is like, don't reinvent the wheel. And so she's already done some great things at my school. And so the fact that we get to do so much together now, um, like 
we do social emotional uh, classroom lessons together with the kids and um, like that's focused on all the students. And then I get to kind of work with my caseload students one-on-one during those times. Um, But the other day, um, knowing that we've been doing this for so long now, uh, the other day I had a meeting during one of the classes and couldn't go in. And we happened to be walking down the hall together as she walked in and she popped her head back out and she said, hey. And I said, yeah. And she said, I just want you to know that every time I go into a classroom without you, the students always ask, hey, where's Mrs. Folletti? And so it's always so cute, like to know that, like, even though I only have a caseload of 55 students, I'm in a building that has 450 students that they all, they all know who I am and they all want to know, like, hey. Where's Mrs. Folletti? And so it's just, it's really nice to know that, like, you're making that impact within the whole building, not just those 55 students. Oh, that's huge. I mean, because the impact that you're making with your case-managed kids, I mean, that's massive. But then to also know that, in addition, your impact has this huge ripple effect um, is just super cool. Yeah. Um, One of the other things that stands out to me is... um, in a world trying to make things normal post-pandemic, when we mm-hmm. first came back, um, we were a um, family engagement focused school. So we were trying to get uh, more parents involved in like what was going on at the school and get them in the school in positive reasons and not just, mm-hmm. oh, your kid's in trouble, come pick them up, they're suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying to bring them in for positive reasons, but we weren't allowed to have parents come into the school because of COVID rules or whatever. And so I'm like, what can we do? And so I created a, um, a like bingo, like a family engagement bingo activity that got sent home with the students. And it was simple things that didn't cost money, things that they were already doing. Um, cook dinner together, uh, read a book together, have a dance party in your kitchen. Um, it's around the holidays. And um have uh, go look at holiday lights in your areas. And then we've like slowly added in things like educational, like um, add up all of the ages of everybody in your house and see what number you get to bring in like a math aspect and find um, something that's in your house that's the col- your favorite colors and write what it is and things like that. And then they just had to return these bingo sheets explaining what was their favorite part of this. And nine times out of 10, it was families saying that um, they just loved getting to spend time with their kids uninterrupted, doing fun things that they kind of forget to do. And in return, they got put into a drawing for a um, food basket. We partnered with a local grocery store, Ron Supermarket, and they donated um, a turkey and stuffing to these food baskets. And we purchased uh, the remainder of it. So it ended up being about a 50 to $75 food basket. And it was around the holiday season. So it was this huge turnout and it just, it exploded. And so now it's something that we do every year because they just, they love getting to do it. And it's like, oh, when are we going to do that family bingo that gets us to go look at Christmas lights or things like that together. And so that's been one of the coolest things that like CIS has brought in into Lakeside. That's brilliant. And I wanted to ask you, like, how had things changed um, between when you started and now, and especially going through an international pandemic where you continued working throughout 
all of it. Yeah. Um, so I remember during the pandemic when we were at home, like checking in on families, like there was like during that cold season, like, hey, do you guys have winter jackets and things like that? Like that we would just, hey, here's your coat for a new student, like that needed it while they were in school. But without it, like we got to get this to you. Mm -hmm. And so coming back, it was like, oh, I know who you are. Like just that connection of like, okay, you've been here this whole time. And so that was cool. Um, it, it stayed pretty much the same only because there still are some limited restrictions of like how many parents we can have together and things like that. And so, um, but it is still a huge, um, support that just, it happens every year. I love that. I love that. So, um, before we take a break and wrap up this first part of the, the episode, um, do you have a favorite success story, like of one of your students that you don't mind sharing? Oh goodness. I know there's a bunch. Let me me just sit and ponder for a second. Um, Um, so I will tell you, um, it's more of a success story of like a family of students. Oh, excellent. We, we had a family, um, that was a single parent household and the mom had, um, six or seven students in the house. And so just a lot going on and just that, um, just had that stereotype of being the, lower class, needing help, reaching Mm -hmm. out, like almost over abusing the system. Like they had that, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you're helping them. Oh my gosh. It's like, that's Mm -hmm. like, we are helping them because the students need help to be successful. It's not my job to question what parents do and don't need. Like, and so, but, um, it was when I was pregnant and, um, I remember, like these kids and these families were like hard to get a hold of and things like that. And then one day one of the the brothers brought in a just a tiny little bag and a card and it was um, just a little bitty gift for my daughter and then a card saying, thank you so much for everything you've done for me and my, my kids. Here's something for your daughter because it was my first guy. And it was, it was just that like we made that connection and Nobody saw it and everyone's like, why are you helping them? Why are you helping them? And we just, we made that bond and built that rapport. And it was just, they're, they're one of the families that when they see me, they still come up and they come running and they hug me and ask me how I'm doing. And so it's, it's probably one of my favorites. I love that. Um, I know that we've talked about it before in the podcast, but it's so critical that the work that's being done this, and specifically the relationship that the student support coordinators are forming with the students and their families, it is based on no judgment. You oh know, yeah. That is just part of what we do and essential to being able to be successful and truly helping those kids get what they need so that they can be the best that they can be. Ugh, I love that. I'm so glad that you brought that up and, and that you pointed out that you know, she was somebody, this, this person was somebody who was receiving judgment against her and maybe people weren't helping her because they assumed that maybe she just didn't need it because she was already using all these other supports, but that doesn't matter. If the kids need support, we help. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. 
Okay, well, we're going to take just a quick break. We're going to be back and we will have a second serving of Letters from the Lunchroom. So stay tuned. This podcast is a production of Empower Podcasting Company. Empower Podcasting offers accessible podcasting production services for nonprofit organizations and purpose-driven individuals and businesses. Starting a podcast doesn't need to be an uphill battle. Let Empower Podcasting help you make your podcast a reality. Learn more at www.empowerpodcasting.com. Welcome back. As part of our show, we ask each guest to write a letter to the students that communities and schools serves. The only guideline they are given is that it must come from the heart. So Jen, please share your letter. All right. Dear Lakeside students, I just wanted to let you know that I love getting to come to work to be with you every day. I love getting to know you, what you like, what you don't like, your favorite classes, who your friends are, and the unlimited amount of hugs that you share with me on a daily basis. I went into this field of work knowing that I wanted to be a positive adult for kids who needed someone to show that they are loved and let them know that they are worthy and can do hard things even when life feels really unfair at times. I want to encourage you to always stand up for yourself and what you need in life. You deserve it. It brings me great joy to get to watch you grow from kindergartners who struggled making friends to being students chosen to be class representatives for the principal's class council meetings. I love the light in your eyes when I get to help provide you with a new coat or new shoes that fit better or that you can be proud to wear. I hope that I have helped make an impression in your life the way that you have made an impression in mine. You each make it's so easy for me to want to come to work and spend time helping you grow and be successful in school and in life. Love, Mrs. Belletti. Ah, oh, gosh, I love hearing the letters. They're seriously one of my favorite parts of these episodes um, because they just reflect the the person who's reading it, their personality so much. Um, so, whenever you sat down to write this letter, um, I know that we kind of talk just like very, very briefly. I don't give very many, uh, very much like prep for these, for these <laughs> yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um, cause I really want it to just be very, you know, authentic. I want it to come from the heart. Um, so whenever you sat down and you're like, okay, I have to write a letter. Victoria says I have to write a letter. <laughs> Was it difficult or did it just kind of, happen? It was a little difficult trying to pinpoint a direction to go Mm -hmm. with the letter. Sure. Um, But ultimately, like thinking about like the students that I work with and that I serve, like something that genuinely jumps out to me is I don't know how much time you get to spend in elementary schools, but you will get copious amounts of hugs um, <laughs> just on a daily basis, walking down the hall, like Mrs. Valetti, and here they come running and it just never ending. And it's, it brings you so much joy to know that these kids just genuinely see you as this caring adult who's here for them. And that is huge for me. And so I've never been like, I'm actually really bad, <laughs> um, at, like taking pictures of supports or things that we're doing because I'm not here to do that part of it. Like, sorry, Victoria, I know you're in (laughs) like marketing and communication, but I am, I'm bad at because that's not why I'm doing it. And so it's, it's not important to me if the students know that 
I'm the one that provided a coat or shoes or Mm -hmm. a backpack and school supplies or treats because their parents couldn't afford them for their birthday party. Like, it's not important that they know, hey, Mrs. Valetti got this for you. Like, that's it's important to know that they're cared for Mm -hmm. and that they have the things that they need to be successful in life, no matter where it comes from. That's pretty huge. And again, says so much about you. Um, And I will say that that is true. I can vouch for the fact that one of the most recent pictures that I got of a support that you were doing was a picture that someone took of you delivering that support. (laughs) So it wasn't, it wasn't you taking the picture. (laughs) I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that your focus is there on making sure the kids have what they need, no matter what, you know, and it doesn't matter if they know that it was from you, as long as they know that it was from someone who cares. Yep. Exactly. That's that's the critical part. So, um, if, if there was one thing that like one part of the letter that you were hoping that you would hope that your students take away from it, what would be like that one part? Uh, to know that they are loved Mm -hmm. there. We deal with so many students who, come to school who we have SIP meetings and IEP meetings because they aren't making the gains that they need academically. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the parts that um, CIS isn't necessarily in control over like educational things, but that they're not necessarily here to come get an education. And so like as sad as it is, like some of them are here for the warm place and the warm food in their stomachs and the the people that love them because they just go home to not great situations. And so knowing that they can find that love and that support in other places and that there are people out there willing to stand up for them and help them stand up for themselves. I think that's important for me for them to take away is that you can do it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit more because we, in, in, in the work that communities and schools does, we talk about things. We talk about how, you know, the power of one caring adult. We talk about removing barriers so that students can be successful in school and then achieve in life. But the truth is, is that those are nice ways of saying our kids, some of our kids that we're helping are dealing with really, really tough situations at home and school is their sanctuary. And we understand that we recognize that and we want to make sure that it continues to be their sanctuary and that, and that they can still get the education that they are there for. Cause it has to play dual roles at that point. Um, it's their safe place. It's their place where they know that food and like you were saying, warmth is, um, and that isn't true for every kid. You know, that isn't saying that every kid that we work with has a tough home life. But the truth is, is that quite a few of our kids do. And it's really, really critical that we are able to come into the schools and help those kids be able to continue to feel safe and also be able to get their education and not be distracted by what's going on at home. Exactly. And just, and I guess I mean, like the barriers that I'm talking about aren't necessarily like they don't have heat or they don't have things at home or they don't have parents that love them. But 
life just has different circumstances. Like we have students who, uh, excuse me, the older siblings are in charge of making sure that they are fed and that they do their homework and Mm -hmm. that they're ready to go because mom is doing her best to make sure that she can provide a warm home and food. And so she works long hours and Mm -hmm. things like that. And so there are just different circumstances and situations that Mm -hmm. people just don't know or consider can be people's day-to-day lives. Mm -hmm. And so these kids are having to deal with things that kids shouldn't have to deal with. They just Mm -hmm. shouldn't, (laughs) but they do. And so learning to build resilience and overcome those are super important. And it goes back to what we were talking about in the first part of this episode about approaching things with no judgment. You know, there is no judgment that that parent is not able to get their kids ready in the morning and that that responsibility falls on the older siblings. Um, It's just, okay, I hear your, your situation and let's, you know, what can I do to help that kind of thing? Or here's how I can help. So, um, it's one of the things that I like most about working with this program is that there really are no restrictions on the help that we can provide. And I think that that's just truly like one of the most critical components of the work that we do. Oh yeah. I think that that's huge Mm -hmm. that if a student needs an alarm clock because brother has his phone in his room and that's who's supposed to wake you up and he's not your parent. <laughs> like He's right. not responsible to wake you up, but that responsibility is put on older brother. And then you're the one who's getting in trouble for truancy because you've missed the bus 20 times and then mom's missed work. And mm-hmm. it just, there's a never ending cycle of things. And so if we can even do just the tiniest little tweak, like, oh yeah, I'll get you your own alarm clock. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We'll see if we can set up some special transportation. Oh yeah. We'll see if we can get this set up to where uh, this neighbor rides with you or whatever, like mm-hmm. you just find whatever avenue it is to make sure that that student can get here and get what they need. Yep. I love that. I love that. Uh, okay. So we're going to take just another quick break and then we'll be back for some extra credit. All right, we are back. Are you ready for some extra credit questions? Extra credit, here we come. Excellent. Okay, your first one is, what is one of your favorite songs? Oh, my favorite songs? Just one of them. I was not, like, prepared for these. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Uh, I really like... um, I don't know that there's a specific song that comes to mind right now. But I'm a big fan of, like, Cody Johnson, like, that Mm -hmm. old country, Red Dirt, Um, just every time it comes on, like, any of his songs, just, I'm good. Nice, nice. Okay. All right. Your next question is, if you could pick one superpower to have, what would you choose and why? This one is easy, actually. Flying. Um, (laughs) Okay. So, super silly backstory. 
Um, when I was younger, I used to have the same reoccurring dream that I was like flying over my childhood house. Like, uh-huh. I think more so as a bird than like a superhero. Mm-hmm. But ever since like having that reoccurring dream of just flying, like, I just think it'd be super cool to fly. Like, I just want to fly everywhere. Absolutely. Heck yeah. All right. Your final question is, what is the number one reason why you feel that people should get involved with communities and schools? Oh my gosh, because there is no limit to what we can do to help support these kids. If you think that, oh, well, I only have 20 minutes every Tuesday. You know what? We have a student you could come read with every Tuesday Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes. If you only have a box of old clothes that you don't wear, you know what? We have students who have accidents and need clothes or that they've fallen outside and ripped their pants. Oh, if you only have clothes to donate or if you um, have some extra toys lying around that we could give to students who are removed from our foster care, who don't have anything that we can donate to them to take with them. If your kids have outgrown coats or you have see that hats and gloves are on sale for 50 cents and buy two packs of them, like we have students who could utilize those things. And there's just a never ending revolving door of we have kids that need water bottles. We have kids that need school supplies. We have kids that need a caring adult get involved with um, a mentor program that we partner with. There's just so many things that connect to what CIS is doing in our schools that no matter how you have to give, we we will take it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome, Jen. Thank you so much. This was I feel like we went all over the place with this and it's awesome. <laughs> it like in all the best wild. ways. <laughs> it's a little wild. Yeah, but I love it so much. So just thank you so much for taking the time to share with us your CIS story. I truly appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on this episode of Letters from the Lunchroom. For more information on communities and schools of MidAmerica, please check out our website at cismidamerica.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave us a rating, and follow us on social media at CIS MidAmerica. I'm your host, Victoria Partridge, and until next time, class is dismissed.